0: This recording is brought to you by Whitworth University. Uh, Welcome, everyone. We may not need these microphones, but we'll keep them just in case. Uh, Thank you so much for sacrificing an hour of this beautiful fall weather uh, to come in here and join us uh, as we learn about some difficult conversations that your students might be having. Uh, To get started, we'll introduce ourselves. Uh, My name is Megan Lechner. I am the resident director of Ballard and Macmillan Halls, which are these two lovely brick buildings right outside. Uh, I am a graduate of Hope College, which is in Holland, Michigan, and got my master's degree in higher education administration at the College of William & Mary in Virginia. Hey, my name
1: is Liz Gorman, uh, and I am also a resident director. I'm over in Oliver Hall. Any Oliver parents? No? That's okay. Um, It's a big one over there. It kind of looks like a ski lodge on the other side of campus, so it's a pretty cool space. Um, I also have a BA from Covenant College in Psychology and a Masters of Arts in Higher Education from Geneva College and have been working at Whitworth for two years now. Uh, So we're excited. We're really thankful that you guys all chose to come and take just a few an hour or so of your time to uh, learn more about what we're doing in the residence halls at Whitworth and how you can be a part of that. Um, The fact that you showed up today shows us that you are already really involved parents in your students' lives, that you've invested in them uh, over the years and enough still to come to this session and hear more about what they're experiencing and how you can be a part of that. So we're really excited uh, to get to talk about that some today and to share a little bit with you about what that looks like for us. So. all right so go ahead and take your seats again wrap up the conversations that you're having it's cool to see some connections being made so hopefully you all made a new friend Uh, so in just a, f- a-, a few words, without giving a lot of details about the conversation that you had, how would you kind of categorize that conversation? So, was that about academics? Was it about relationships? Was it about health and well-being? Was it about loneliness or? uh experience in general
0: um great well thank you so much for engaging Uh, we're going to come back to most of those topics here in a little bit or show you maybe how they're integrated into your students everyday experience Um, but to get uh, started we want to introduce a little bit about our jobs and what we do uh, and hopefully give you a bit of a glimpse into our lives as co-educators so Hopefully, uh, you know that your student is attending a liberal arts education or a liberal arts institution. Uh, To us, that means that your student gets to be learning in and outside of the classroom. So the work that we do, the roles that Liz and I have, are actually master's degree required positions because we are educators in their living space. So the programming that we design or that we help our resident assistants or RAs to design are actually a part of the university's greater accreditation process and actually have measurable learning outcomes. So we have designed those based on different theories, different uh, practices, and norms of other like universities to create. learning outcomes and different opportunities for your student to become that whole person. Uh, So we're going to talk about that a lot. So helping your student to become an adult and someone that eventually has to leave this pinecone curtain um, and decide what kind of adult and human being they're going to be and show to the world. So we want to expose you to some of the conversations that we have with them. Most of them are really difficult. to help your student get to that place. Um, So everything from our programming, even down to our conduct system, is actually rooted in educational purpose and practice. So our conduct system and community standards are unlike any in the nation. Um, So we go to conferences and present about our system because it is truly, truly unique. Your students have a hand in that learning and in the development of their own conduct and compliance standards at this university, which is really rare. Um, Because our main goal in that is helping your student move from being this kind of dualistic rule follower to a critical thinker and someone who asks questions about why things exist and to help them buy into the notions that they agree with. So. Like I said, one way that we do that is by looking at university best practice and theory. So something that Liz and I are gonna be talking to y'all about today is uh, one theory in particular which was made by Arthur Chickering. Uh, He is a pretty prominent scholar in the higher education world uh, and created something called, he called the seven vectors of identity development. So we're gonna be walking through each of those with you and maybe you'll be able to tell kind of where your student is on this spectrum with what they've shared from you or conversations that you're having with them, also to maybe give you a heads up about where they're hopefully moving to or through. Um, so, yeah, Liz. Yeah, so
1: like Megan said, uh, Arthur Chickering spent uh, almost two decades working on this theory development of college students throughout their four years in college. So, this is kind of the, the seven vectors that he came up with developing competence, managing emotion moving through autonomy towards independence, developing mature relationships, and all of those four kind of moving within each other, um, back and forth, up and down, they kind of all feed into this establishment of identity, which is really what he saw as the core area where students need to grow and develop outside of the classroom, as well as inside of the classroom, right? Like hopefully their academics are also feeding into that establishment of identity. Uh, and after they're able to establish that identity, really that core sense of who they are, that really feeds into the developing purpose and developing integrity. So not to say that they don't already have those things now, but those are things that we're hoping that they're growing in, that they're developing in as they're moving through their residence life experience and their campus experience as a whole. So we're gonna talk just briefly about each of those and some conversations that might go along with those kind of ups and downs, trends of development throughout college.
0: Great, so we'll start with the first one which is developing competence. So this actually has three different layers that run kind of in tandem with each other. Uh, So the first is intellectual. So your student probably, if you have a first or second year, maybe third year, hopefully not fourth year, but maybe student who is changing their major, um, that it does happen. So don't worry. (laughs) They'll be okay. Uh, That is a uh, a really integral part of this experience. So students are, oh my gosh, I had this expectation of what I was supposed to be and what I was to do, and I get in and realize I'm actually not very good at biology. I actually really don't like it at all. How do I transition? How do I talk to my friends? How do I talk to my parents about making that transition? So, developing the skills to do that. Also, developing the wherewithal and uh, to realize what they actually want instead of living into expectations. The second is physical. So, this may be the first time that your student is taking care of themselves by themselves. So, uh, everything from we joke about the freshman 15, that's like very real. (laughs) Uh, So, our dining hall is maybe they are left unattended and they can have three cheeseburgers a day and they have a complete autonomy to do that. Uh, And there's not really anybody telling them to not do that except for themselves. So, uh, helping them to develop the skills to keep themselves healthy and well. Maybe they get the flu for the first time and they don't know where to go or what to do. Developing those skills to be a little bit more self-sufficient. And the last is interpersonal. So this may be they are experiencing a first failure in leadership. So Whitworth attracts a lot of really big fish from really small ponds. And we are another, so we are a small pond full of very big fish. <laughs> and. That sometimes leads to failure. Students apply to BRAs, they don't get it. Students apply or try out for a choir, don't make it. Fail their first chemistry test winning. They were the star of their AP chem class in high school. This happens, and we uh, honestly get the honor and privilege of sitting with your student kind of in that failure and helping them work through it. Um, So next we have managing emotions. Uh, I think it's important to point out uh, this is a good time to do that, where these are not necessarily check boxes. So we don't sit with your student and say, great, you are managing all of your emotions well. Check, you will now forever, manage your emotions perfectly. Uh, I don't think any of us in this room can sit here and say that. Uh, So what we like to do is give your student an opportunity to sit in and engage with some of those opportunities to manage it well. So one thing is uh, maybe some friendships are changing. Maybe they are experimenting with dating or they came with a significant other from high school and they realize I have this new life here and I don't, this person doesn't fit into it anymore. Um, Maybe this is the first time that they're feeling really lonely and isolated. How to express that and how to ask for help are really important things that we get our RAs to develop programming around to help assist your student. Uh, Next, this is a little wordy, but basically what this means is getting your student to be independent. all of the necessary things that they need to be an adult outside of Whitworth, so whether that's managing their money and their time, they have a lot of new responsibilities. Uh, a lot of Whitworth students really pride themselves on their busyness, uh, which is something we are trying to curb and maybe make sure they're making healthy choices in their busyness and not just being busy for the sake of being busy, because um, that leads to maybe some really unhealthy patterns in adulthood of, um, or making sure their work ethic is not being you get what I'm saying? Um, so it may be the first time that they're really battling with um, the what the university's tenants are. So I actually don't agree with that rule. Well, why don't you agree with it? Let's have a conversation about that. Um, resiliency and grit, obviously things, big buzzwords in the higher education community right now. We want your student to be a fully functioning autonomous adult when they leave here, so giving them as many opportunities as possible to engage with that. Um, And finally, for my more fluid Tenants here. Developing mature interpersonal relationships. So this may be the first time that your student has engaged with ideologies, whether that be political or spiritual, that they've never experienced before. Or if not your child or student, maybe a different one that your student gets to inform and have those really meaningful conversations with. Um, At this stage in a student's development, we're seeing them kind of maybe shed those more superficial friendships or ones that are based on competition or uh, fear even of, well, at least I have a friend into, okay, these are my people, and these are the people I want to have in my life and really invest in, and those relationships are reciprocal. So I'm having finally reciprocal friendships or relationships in my life. This doesn't necessarily mean the cliche like ring by spring. We're not trying to marry off your kids. That's not what this is. It is truly a, we want your friends, to, we want them to have deep, meaningful friendships and the capacity for it. So again, uh, all of these four first vectors
1: that Megan talked about, kind of moving towards this establishment of identity, Uh, this deciding who am I, who do I want to be, how do all of these different pieces of myself, my beliefs, my values, et cetera, come together. Um, You see a lot of body appearance and gender and ethnic and cultural heritage coming out in this stage where they're kind of starting to wrestle with some things that maybe they've never thought about before. They might start to ask questions to you about, like, hey, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, tell me about, like, our family's history um, or our ancestry or where we came from. Uh, Students at this stage are becoming really curious about how these different factors in society and your family Uh, in their current friends are forming them into who they're becoming and how they want to kind of make sense of those things as they're processing through this. So some of the conversations we have um, establishing personal values and especially in that how do you respect people with different values than yourself? So that could be your roommate, that could be a friend group, uh, that might even be your parents if your values are changing a lot. Some of you may have experienced that. Um, That could even be a professor. Somebody that you really respected and then they said something in class and you thought, well, that can't be right. Um, how, do you, how do you sit in that tension, right, of your personal values and other people's and being able to respect both of those uh, while still holding to your own? Um, political affiliation, so deciding based on those values, like, who do you vote for? What kind of action do you take in the world? Um, what kind of person do you want to be engaged civically uh, in service or in other aspects? Uh, and then also how they present themselves. So thinking about how they want to communicate who they are to others, how they want to dress, how they want to um, engage in opportunities that are presented to them, how they decide which of those things they're going to go for. Really, that all comes down to kind of who who am I and who do I want to become. So you'll see that as we're moving on to uh, developing purpose. So before, in, unless you can say who you are, it's really hard to say what you wanna do, right? Um, so that's why it's really crucial that they're kinda of moving through those first four stages into establishing who they are as a person before they're moving into like what they wanna do with their life. Um, so this is where we're going. This is who I am. This is what I'm gonna do in the world. This is who I wanna be. Uh, they're beginning to develop strong vocational goals. They might be making strong interpersonal commitments to either a romantic relationship or to friendships, that they're like, I'm going to stay with these people uh, after college and live with those people or that kind of thing. Maybe they want to move back home because those are where their interpersonal relationships are the strongest. Um, So this is where they're kind of deciding what is most important in my life and how does who I am influence that for me. Uh, We have a lot of conversations in this about, can you go back? Sorry. about friendships, about dating relationships, about how do you decide who you want to marry, about how do you decide if you should get married now, um, about how do you decide what career search to go after? Like, how do you decide what kind of company you want to work for? um, Or what kind of job you want to do? So, those are where a lot of these conversations revolve for us. Okay, next one. Uh, And then lastly, developing integrity so with that sense of purpose uh, they're also beginning to solidify their values and how those things intersect with the things that they want to be doing in life Um, we'll often see conversations in this about the purpose of rules uh, especially when those rules may not line up with what their values are but how do we think about rules still having value for a community as a whole laws having value for a community as a whole even though we may not have voted for them or may not agree with them Um, How do we subject ourselves to leaders that we may not agree with uh, but that, you know, other people voted for or laws that other people voted for? How do we see that sense of common good um, and social responsibility? What is our role in our community? What is our role in the world Um, and how do we kind of promote that? Sometimes that's environmental, sometimes that's political, um, sometimes that's familial. So those are kind of the breadth of conversations we have around developing integrity and what that looks like.
0: Great, so how does all of this come together? Like I said, these are our three learning outcomes that your students are engaging in every single day, or at least have the opportunity to engage with every single day in one of our residence halls. So you have meaningful relationships, respect for differences, and critical thinking. You may see some buzzwords that Liz and I were just using as we described those theories, or that theory, uh, in those different stages of development. It is incredibly intentional, the language that we use, and and the ways in which we teach our resident assistants to create meaningful programs and opportunities for your student. So uh, this sense of establishing the whole person come, plays out right here. Um, and like Liz said, we really want these to work in tandem with the learning outcomes of academic affairs. So these are supposed to live alongside what your student is learning in the classroom and give them opportunities to bring that knowledge back into the residence hall and share it with their peers, share it with us, share it with their RAs, so that they can really hone um, their craft and their learning. Um, that is really important to us that they understand that learning can also exist in their home, not just in the lab, not just in the music building. um, Because that's where they develop the passion and the love for what they're going to hopefully spend some of their life doing. Um, So yeah, that notion that uh, college is a time to find yourself. is actually very true. Uh, If you take anything from this, this establishment of your identity as a person and who you want to be and what you, how you want to serve the world and your vocation uh, is truly what we're trying to hone here uh, with your student.
1: Nice. Um, So in student development, in residence life specifically, our goal is always the success and growth of your student. And we hope that your goal is the same right we want to see your students grow we want to see them learn we want to see them change how many stu- how many parents have seen their student change since they came to college hopefully everybody in some sense right even if they've only been here for uh, a month or two you may just be beginning to see a little bit of those changes um, but that's our goal right we don't want them to come out as the same person four years later That's a waste of your money uh, and their time and their energy and their learning, right? Uh, We want them to be changed and transformed by the things that they're learning, by the things that they're wrestling with. Uh, And sometimes that can look like hard processes. So for us in residence life, we try to use this model of challenge and support. Um, so first, we, we care genuinely about your students. Um, we know that students need to feel a sense of support and like someone's on their side, an advocate, um, somebody that they can talk to in order to be able to move through some of these difficult processes of establishing who they're going to be and how they're going to be in the world. Um, But at the same time, we also know that without challenge, we rarely meet our full potential, right? We don't grow in the ways that we could if we just have support and really not much of anything else. So college, both in the classroom and outside of it, is a great place for students to be able to experience both this underlying support, but also this other direction of challenge. Um, That's where we really see the best growth take place is when we can balance those things as professionals, as faculty in the classroom as well, um, where we can create safe spaces for students to be able to wrestle through new ideas, but at the same time push them and challenge them to think about why, as Megan was saying earlier, we want to develop critical thinkers, not just people that kind of float through and blindly obey the rules, right? Um, so this is the model that we use, uh, and we, as we're thinking about how we have these conversations, how do we both support and challenge students as they're moving through these different aspects of development. So this is where we need you. Uh, Your partnership and support in helping develop your students is crucial to us. We are privileged that you've given us uh, the ability to influence them for just a few years of their life, but we know that your influence far surpasses anything that they will learn in college, even though they may not say that. Uh, We're here to tell you that on their behalf. Uh, The work that you have done over the past 18, 20, 25, whatever years uh, in your student's life is truly tremendous. Uh, And we are so privileged to be able to see the effects of that, to be able to enter into the spaces where they're already growing and learning, and to continue working alongside you as they're moving through their college experience. So, what we ask of you is that you will kind of embrace the spirit of challenge and support with us, that you'll seek as you see them move through different stages, that you will seek to see them grow, um, to be able to challenge them in areas where you may know a little bit more, where you may be able to see ahead of the curve a little bit for them of what may be coming next, um, but also be able to support them in the ways that we know you already have uh, as they've gotten to this place in their life. So this is our encouragement to you, and this is our ask of you. If any of you remember the Leonard Oakland speech on move-in day, uh, whether that was this year or three or four years ago for some of you, Um, he says that he wishes upon students, along with many other things, hard times. And it's really difficult, I think, to wish hard times upon the people that we love, right? None of us really wish that for one another, Um, but we do in the sense that we hope that people grow and develop during those times, right? Through those difficult experiences, those difficult conversations with students, those are some of our favorite parts of the job. Not because we love having the tears and the anger and those things in our offices, but because we love to see students transformed through those processes and to come back a year later or a few months later and to say, man, that roommate conflict was the worst, but I really grew and I learned how to express myself and I learned how to communicate how I like to enter into conflict, and I maybe even learn some new skills along the way. Um, so our hope is always that your students are feeling supported, but that they're also being challenged by our staffs and by our RRAs. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much. We, um, we know we kind of ran through the, that theory and those things a little quickly. Um, we are assuming some of you may have come here because you're having difficult conversations with your students. Um, and we would love to help give you whatever support uh, possible to help encourage you to have those. Or if you're looking for some advice for what it's worth from student developers, we are happy to give it. Um, so I will open it up. Does anybody have any questions? That is a really great question. So the question was, how do you balance the needs of the individual with the needs of the greater community? Um, So that is something I actually am elbow deep in fairly often. So um, I work in the Ballard and Macmillan communities, which are very rich in deep, deep tradition. Um, And some of those traditions can be a little bit alienating to some members of the community or maybe not as healthy uh, as we would like them to be in 2018 standards. So something that I'm often doing is navigating the need of this one individual person versus the need of the group uh, or desire to maintain this tradition that might not be necessarily super inclusive. cop-out answer a little bit is, that's a case-by-case basis. (laughs) Um, I won't do that to you, but it is. um, I think we look at where is the most learning going to happen? Is learning, uh, how can we balance how learning is best going to be served or achieved here? Oftentimes, that is in individual conversations with that individual and individual conversations with each member of the collective group. Sometimes it's you call them all in and say, hey, get it together. Sometimes it's um, sitting down and just exp- figuring out what the root of the problem actually is um, and finding a creative way to address it. Um, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I would say, uh, in addition to what Megan said, just
1: the idea that we're trying to prepare them for a life after college, right? We never want them to be prepared only for this kind of insular, unique four years, five years of their life experience. Um, So we always try to bring that perspective into our conversation. So if I'm having a conversation with a student about maybe where their need may contradict with the community need, uh, we tend to have that conversation about, well, what will that look like later on, right? Um, How will you address this with neighbors who live in your neighborhood or in an apartment or things like that later in life, right? Um, We know, as people a little bit further out of college, and you know as well, that those issues you face in college do not disappear just because you moved out of a college residence hall, um, or just because you're no longer in a college classroom. Uh, A lot of those issues will continue to kind of follow you, and so being able to think critically about like, yeah, how do my needs kind of come into this community of needs? Um, Or how do my, my assets and my gifts speak into this community? Um, and how can I bring those in? Those are things we always want to be challenging students to think about, not for the present, but also for the future as well. Um, So I think that's another framework that kind of shapes those directions as we're navigating through how will we best prepare students, uh, this individual student, as well as a community of students for what's coming after college.
0: Yeah, one final thing I'll add to that is if it is ever a matter of physical safety, emotional safety, um, or uh, The environment in which the individual can't learn effectively or appropriately we will always side with the individual. Um, So if that is, side with is kind of a strong term, but we will always try our best to accommodate that um, because at the end of the day, the residence hall is where it's their home uh, for nine months of the year. It's where they're sleeping. It's where they're learning. Uh, So if that is an unsafe place for that individual to be, uh, we will adjust the community to make sure that that individual, that is a safe place for them to be. Thank you for asking that. Yeah, so the question was, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, essentially, what is our relationship to individual students in our communities and what does that look like? I think it looks a little bit differently. We all do our jobs a little bit differently depending on the community that we're in. Um, so, Liz and I were just discussing before we realized. So, I am in the two oldest buildings and the only gendered buildings uh, on campus, and Liz is the RD of the newest uh, co-ed, mostly upperclassmen community. Um, so, we have pretty different experiences, I think, in how we need to do our job. Um, for me, I guess I will say, I interact mostly with the most engaged students, so the students that uh, are student leaders, or mostly because that is my job to help train and <laughs> Uh, assist them in their programming, um, but then also our students that are the highest need or that are really going through it. Um, so we have several systems in place to keep in check, like, oh, this student hasn't gone to class in four days. Huh, wonder what's up? I will go knock on the door, say, hey, why haven't you gone to class in four days? Um, or, hey, one of the people that works in Sedexo, the dining hall, noticed that you have been sitting alone and haven't really been eating a ton. Knock on the door. Hey, notice you haven't... So um, that usually is the case. Um, We try to more... We want our student leaders, for me, definitely want my student leaders to be the face of the community and not necessarily me. Uh, that's just like a student development tenant of mine that, they, that is part of their development, that they are the ones facilitating the community, not me. Um, so, yeah, I kind of live on that end of the spectrum. But students do know they are more than welcome to come knock on our door or ask us to grab a cup of coffee at any time. For you. Yeah, I think Megan
1: pretty much took that one away. Um, I would say, for me, like I, I'll kind of go through uh, my building periodically and knock on doors and say hey to students. And um, but, but largely, as Megan said, we do kind of live on the extremes. So the students that are constantly in our lounges will get the most hellos and conversations um, because they're there and they're present. Um, and at the same time, uh, the students with the highest needs, um, whether that be physical, mental health, uh, academic, et cetera, will also get a good deal of our attention because we want to make sure that every student succeeds. Um, but again, we are more than willing to have conversations with all of our students. We love to know them, um, try to know all of their names, uh, for my community at least, uh, not the whole campus. That would be impractical. Uh, <laughs> but a, a good goal. Um, but but yeah. we we tend to be faces people recognize around campus I think um, and some students will pursue that and take advantage of that uh, and we think that's awesome others will find that in a faculty member or in somebody from the chapel or some other department where they find an adult that they're like oh this is somebody I really connect with we think that's awesome too we don't have to be the only adults in their lives um, because you guys are also there so yeah it kinda depends
0: our hope is that we have enough of a at least surface level relationship with your student that if it comes to a conduct meeting, that's not the first time they're speaking with us. We hope that that doesn't happen, and it's actually pretty rare, I will. But um, we hope that that at least we have somewhat of a relationship so that's not the first time they see us and then think we're big, scary, the man.
1: Yeah, that is a great question. So the question is, how do we kind of learn about and manage situations where students are struggling in some way? Yeah, would that be a good kind of, yeah, how do, how do those systems work for us? So those, there's actually numerous systems that we use for that. So as far as residence life and RAs specifically, we meet with all of our RAs once a week individually, where we'll check in, we'll say, hey, which students have you interacted with this week? Like, what kind of conversations have you had? who is struggling, any issues that I need to know about, um, and kind of do all of that follow-up. So with individual RAs, my expectation is that my most of my RAs are seeing all of their students multiple times a week. Um, for some students, that may not be true if they're especially busy, but for the most part, I think it's very easy for most of our RAs to touch base in some way with students multiple times a week on their floor. Um, so we definitely use that as a resource for us gaining information. We also have an early alert system where students, faculty, staff, really anyone in the community can submit uh, an alert about someone that will often get passed on to us or to maybe their faculty advisor, um, stating any kind of concern that they have about them. So that's where we're often hear about things from Sedexo or from a faculty saying, hey, this person's missed class like several times, they haven't emailed me. Um, We'll hear about family issues sometimes, like a death in the family, a friend may report that or things like that, um, so that we can really follow up and care for that student well in that situation. Uh, We also have a student care team, student success and care team that meets weekly and they'll kind of talk about all of those cases together um, and decide what kind of appropriate follow up needs to be done, particularly for larger um, or ongoing struggles or incidents.
0: Yeah, the only thing I'll add to that is we ask RAs when they're hired. They're not just RAs for their specific community. They're RAs for the whole campus. So if they're just out and about and they see something that looks fishy or they see something that looks like somebody's really going through it, they'll submit those alerts. They'll email us. They'll just come talk to us. Um, that is one system that we use. Also, RAs weekly are asked to have, we call it a standing appointment, um, where somewhere on their floor, usually in their room, they're inviting everybody from their floor to this casual time to hang out. And it's usually where people are sharing kind of what they're going through or their experience. Um, so we gather a lot of information from that. Also nightly, I'm sure you've heard of it, it's called Primetime. time. There's an event in every single community, um, nightly from eight to 10, um, which is where a lot of students gather and we can kind of keep a pulse on a lot of our students that way as well. So thanks for asking. Thank you for asking that. That is a scary question, uh, because that is, uh, tragically, that does happen. Um, So we do have protocol for that. Um, So the question was, what happens if there's a major crisis or emergency, and I need someone to relay that information to my students? Um, You looked like you were going to answer. I didn't want to keep
1: talking. No, yeah, OK. So in an incident like that, yes, Security, definitely one option. Security knows how to get a hold of any of us or the RD on call um, who can help to manage that situation. Um, You can also call the student life office during normal work hours. So if it is something um, that's not on the weekend or that's not late at night, that's a great way to get in touch with us very quickly as well, um, because they'll know how to get a hold of us. Um, You can also always email us. So all of our emails are posted um, because we don't really have conventional offices. We have numbers, but that usually just goes to voicemail. Um, So email is a really good and quick way to get in touch with us depending on the situation, right? Like if it's an immediate crisis, maybe not, Um, go through either security or the student life office. But email's a great way if it's something that's kind of like, hey, just wanted you to know like this is going on, the student's gonna be off campus for a week, could you please like follow up with professors? We can do all of that through student success teams um, and take care of notifying uh, for absences and all that kind of stuff if there is an emergency in the family.
0: Yeah, I'll add two things to that. One is um, NRD, our resident director, is always on call. So 24-7, um, one of us has, we are the first emergency responder to really any campus emergency. Um, so if you were to call in the middle of the night, uh, security would, because it's a more relational issue and not a matter of like, a immediate physical safety, we are their call. Um, so they say, hey, Meg, need you to go check this out. Um, So that's that. Also, if it is less of an emergency and more of just like a, hey, my student is probably really going to be struggling the next few weeks because this thing happened at home, um, you also have access to that early alert form. Um, It's on our website. Just go in and type in early alert, and you have full access to fill those out as well. I get them all the time from parents or friends of friends um, or local parent, like local parents, so if your child has adults in the community that they connect with, like, hey, so-and-so might be going through it or is feeling really homesick. Um, Yeah, that's what I'll add to that. Does that answer your question? Yep. (laughs) Anything else? Other questions? Concerns? Yes, thank you so much. That We really pride ourselves and our work on not necessarily holding the hand of your student, but walking next to them or walking beside them. Um, that is a true tenant of our student development style here um, and something that I think is truly unique to the Whitworth community. Um, we don't want to be bulldozers for your student and plow the way. Um, completely for them. We want to help them pick up the obstacles and move them themselves so that when they're out in the world they know how to do it. Um, Everything from maybe this is the first time they've shared a room with anybody in their whole life, or the first time they haven't shared a room with somebody who wasn't their little sister or their big brother. Um, Maybe they're living with their best friend and they realize, wow, this is a terrible idea to live with my best friend, Um, which happens more often than you think. If you have more children going, advise them not to live with their best friend. Um, But yeah, thank you so much for for saying that. That is truly um, a a goal of ours. And glad that that came across. Mm -hmm. Yep, so Alyssa and I actually just gave a fairly similar presentation to all of the RAs um, on campus. So they are very well informed of what our Purpose is and why they're doing it. We, just as we call ourselves co educators, we consider RAs paraprofessionals and co educators as well. So they know everything you do about why and how um, and what we're trying to do to your student.
1: Yeah, so I would say, I think this is like one of my favorite conversations to have with students where we're actually able to say like, hey, you know, like all those times when we're in the lounge being present with you doing fun activities that you think are just random, uh, these actually have learning outcomes, right? Like we use the outcomes that we put on the board earlier, along with kind of a holistic wellness wheel. uh, For every single night, there is a learning outcome for the activity that's happening in that lounge, uh, every single different building. And we put all of that data together. Um, How often students see that or know that, it kind of depends, right? Like, and sometimes even when they find out, they're like, Wait, what? Like, gets kind of weird because they're like, "Whoa, it's so much more intentional than I imagined, right?" Like, I just thought we were playing four square, but actually, like, these other things were going along with that. Or I just thought we were having a conversation about, you know, whatever we're talking about, spirituality that night. Um, But actually, it's this planned out thing. Um, So yeah, I think it it does depend. Um, We don't. We have learning outcomes up on our website, and we talk to students about those. We don't necessarily talk about all of the student development theories, uh, but I think we do bring those into conversations as we're talking about like, hey, where do you feel like you're growing right now? Like, how is this experience changing you? What is it teaching you? What are you learning through it? Um, That's where I would say 80% of our job is conversations. Um, And that's part of why we're so passionate about these things, these theories that inform our conversations, because we want this to be educated, not just shots in the dark at whatever we kind of see happening next, um, or whatever we can pull out of our back pocket, but we want those to be informed and educated uh, through the theories that we know have worked for years um, and are continuing to be developed. So students,
0: I, I don't know, how many? Situationally, Some, I, I know. mean, <laughs> um, so McMillan Hall is the all-male only all-male residence hall on campus. And uh, I just a few days ago had a nice conversation with several of them about their development um, and the things that I've learned about what it what men are going through at this stage in their life, which I think is a little bit strange for them to hear from me. (laughs) Um, But that's actually a part of the learning, like to be exposed like, oh, yeah, I am deeply invested in your development as a man that has to go out and exist and be a man in this world. Um, And giving them some of this theory and some of these strategies to help them kind of cope and realize what kind of man they want to be. Um, That was just just happened a few days ago. (laughs) Um, So, yes. And no. <laughs> I had a yeah, thanks for asking that. So the question was, what are some of the questions we ask to get students to kind of engage in these conversations or self-reflect? Um, I think one of my first questions is. Uh, I have two kind of go-to's that are my first ones that just normally start the conversation. One is, why do you think you're feeling this way? And can you maybe pinpoint some reasons as to why you're feeling like that? Another one is, if I wasn't sitting here, what would you do about it yourself? I ask that of my RAs in hard situations where they come to me and they're like, oh my gosh, what do I do? I'm like, well, what would you do if I wasn't here? And it's usually the right answer. They have good instincts. Your students have good instincts and good guts. So it's helping them to kind of realize and build the confidence to use it themselves. Um, so those are two of my first questions. I'll let this.
1: Yeah. So maybe a few other ones that I mentioned were like, what are you learning through this process? Um, What are you learning about yourself, what are you learning about others, what are you learning about the way that you operate in the world Um, and your own agency and ability and autonomy? Um, Yeah, I definitely like to ask a lot about, like, how are you growing? Um, The emotion question that that Megan answered is a great one. What are you feeling right now? Um, What are you going to do about that feeling? Um, So what do you do with your emotions, I think is a great question. question for students, because a lot of these topics do tend to be very emotional. Um, And so how do you process through those? And how do you take action Uh, is something I think we're constantly kind of pushing students towards, is how do you take that responsibility? Um, Who else are you talking to about this, is another one that I ask a lot. So kind of getting a sense of, like, who's supporting you in this? Um, Is it your parents? Is it sibling? Is it your friends? Is it a professor? Um, What role can I play in helping support you through this? Um, So kind of gauging that broader sense of, like, what's the issue and how do we, like, how can we partner in it together, Um, because I'm not just going to come in and solve everything for you, right? Uh, But I will be with you in the process uh, in whatever way you need me to be, so. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so maybe students who are a little bit under the radar, how do we be proactive in addressing their needs as well? Um, so yeah, like we've been saying, a lot of our work is very much proactive. Tragically, though, sometimes it does have to be reactive and trying to uh, use as many opportunities for learning in that reaction as possible. So wow, can you tell me about the steps that it took to get here? When did you first started noticing that you were breaking down. Um, Walk me through each of those steps, and let's figure out some coping mechanisms for each of those steps. Or do you have somebody that's safe that you can talk to? Or now that we're having this conversation, next time you're feeling like this, I would really hope you'd come to me so we can keep it from getting to here again. Um, So we do, uh, most of us are trained fairly well in how to have those conversations with your student in the moment, um, on bulk of our uh, on-call, Responding situations are panic attacks, are um, frustrations, are mental health related. Um, which a lot of students are coming in with a lot of good coping skills uh, and things to that they know what they need. Um, that oh, I haven't taken my medication today. All right, well there is a solution to that problem. This will be better tomorrow once you're back on track. Or what? Do you have any coping skills that you have that we can help you? Uh, use right now, Um, and we are all very much willing to sit for as long as it takes uh, to get that student back on track. Um, Does that kind of answer your question? Oh boy, you've got the spectrum. Um, So we have everything. Some of them use uh, these learning outcomes a little bit more creatively than others. Uh, So sometimes it's truly just, physical release, so dodgeball, outdoor games, something to get the blood flowing, sometimes it's sitting down more intellectual, deeper conversations we will invite professors in to come and debate a topic or encourage students to. Um, Some of them are really spiritually focused, so they may be worship nights, they may be exploring other religious practices, Um, some, yeah. What do you have going on in your building this week? Yeah, so last night we had one, it was called identity
1: pins. And so we had these different beads uh, that represented different aspects of identity, different colored beads, and students would put together a pin with like the three top uh, colors that they thought represented them. So for instance, they might choose like race and family and education or class or sexual orientation or whatever else they may feel influences them the most. Um, and so we kind of are starting those conversations around that in a creative and low, like, uh, what do you want to call that? A non-aggressive way, right? <laughs> um, a way that feels like fun uh, or even maybe a little bit like kindergarten again. But at the same time, we're having much deeper conversations about like, wow, tell me more. And so. Uh, that was a neat one for me because I was there for most of that and got to ask students, well, tell me more about your family and how that's influenced you or tell me more about the role that your you know, Spanish ethnicity plays in your life um, and how you see that playing out. So that's an example of one. We do, I mean, really all kinds of different things. Sometimes that involves going to an academic lecture um, or something that our diversity office is putting on. For the campus as a whole, tonight, for a lot of us, I think that will be going to Homecoming Unplugged, mm-hmm. probably. Uh, so it'll be a roaming outside of the lounge. we will gather people and they'll go to that together. Um, we'll do creative, like relaxation techniques or um, sometimes like study habits, time management, planning, kind of like some practical things. Uh, we've done a few financial ones in my building so far this year, mm-hmm. um, as well as like vocational programs, so kind of. Bringing in someone from the business world or bringing in someone from the medical field um, or talking about personality. Uh, It really ranges all across the disciplines, I would say.
0: Are we trying to keep them timely with maybe what's happening in the world or with the seasons? So last. April we had a horror movie and taxes because like what's scarier than doing your taxes like horror movies So we had a horror movie marathon and we had accounting majors come and teach people some ways to do their taxes So trying to make it a little bit more approachable But also actually teaching your student a skill that they're gonna need for the rest of their life Um, And we had some professors there too to help kind of (laughs) buffer the advice of other 19-year-olds who probably haven't paid taxes themselves. Um, But yeah, that's also an opportunity for students then to share their knowledge. Like, I just learned this. I get to teach my friend how to do it um, in a really approachable way. Um, A lot of things are going on in the world right now, um, whether it's in our country or whether it be Uh, geographically with uh, the tragedy of these hurricanes. So making sure we're providing an outlet for students to kind of express how they feel about those and a safe place for them to kind of explore their feelings um, and ideas about that. So last night, ours was an introduction to minimalism. So we gave them some like 10, here's what what it means to be a minimalist and encourage them to go back to their rooms and see kind of what they could do about that or challenge them to um, engage with that ideology, so thank you for asking. We also have boards up in our lounges that have all of the activities for the week. If you're curious and want to go check those out, Great, well, I think we are running out of time. Um, So, Liz and I will be up here. If you guys have any more questions, we would be more than happy to stick around and answer those for you. But um, thank you so much for being here. Truly, you are uh, great partners to us in helping your student become a better adult. And truly, what Liz said, it is an honor and a privilege to work with with your students. Um, We really love our jobs and what we get to do. So thank you for being here. Uh, We'll be up here if you have any questions.